Suzanne Pedersen in her ninth Solheim Cup with this to win the trophy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ninth Tee Podcast, the CME Group Tour Championship Recap Edition. Joined as always by the one, the only, Mr. Ben Harpring of womensgolf.com. Mr. Ben, how are you? Kent, I am doing pretty amazing, to be honest. It's a great week. We just finished up watching some great golf. How are you doing? I'm doing I'm doing great. You look at the calendar, Ben. I don't think we just finished watching great golf. That already happened. That's true. But it's still so fresh in my mind because the golf was so great. It feels like it just happened. Unfortunately, our recording after play Sunday of Jin Young Ko winning the CME Group Tour Championship was garbled by the audio gods. So our apologies. We'll be posting this Tuesday evening, Wednesday morning. But it's still an incredible conclusion to the 18 event LPGA Tour season this year after the COVID-19 pandemic shut the tour down early on. It's fortunate the tour was able to get any events off and to see Jin Young Ko take full advantage of the opportunity, winning the money title in four events. Saying that out loud is flabbergasting. It's pretty, it's pretty impressive. I have to say, it's just like, Hey guys, do you guys remember me? I know I haven't been here at all in 2020, but I am still the number one player in the world and watch this <laughs> and boom, she came to play. And it's fortunate. She had the chance to win this week. CME was granted two sponsor exemptions into this event because of the tour being so up in the air. Those exemptions went to Sarah Kemp and Natalie Golbis. We talk about bets of the week on this podcast. You could have, if you found any odds on one of those two finishing in last place, that would have been the best bet of the week. And Jin Young found a way on Sunday at the U.S. Women's Open, requiring a top four finish to finish tie for second, one behind Ah Lim Kim. And then Jin Young Ko does what a world's number one golfer does. Tied with Se Young Kim, number two in the world. And I think if anyone was to challenge what would be a peak Jin Young Ko performance, you'd have to pick Se Young Kim, right? 100%. I say, like, who this year in women's golf, there's really just a couple of names that come to mind when, it, when you think who's playing the best. And in the last few months, it's only one person, and that's Sayung. Yeah, it may have been Danielle King earlier in the year when she won those back-to-back events to start. Kind of tailed off towards the end of the season for King, but she still came away with the Vare Trophy. We'll talk about that more later on. But for Jin Young Ko, with seven holes left to win by five shots, and she was in just... Just cruise control. Just absolute command of her game. Her tee shot on the last hole had zero feet of curve. Zero. (laughs) Just a frozen rope down the center of the fairway. Just as her caddy once described it to me, David Brooker, is playing golden tee. It's just dead straight. Just roll the little circle back and then flick it straight forward. That is her golf game. And... That's why she had been such a consistent selection upon her return into the bets of the week. Unfortunately, her odds were only nine to one. I tried to stay away from under 10 to one bets because the return just isn't great enough. But man, it that was that's the best player in the world taking off. And it's the first time the tour has had a number one player for more than one year since 2016. It, it's been a while. But, you know, watching Jin Young, like you like you just described, her caddying describe her game, it, it's so much fun to watch, too, because as 
being amateur golfers, you know, like me, me and you are, Kent. Um, I don't, I can't tell you the last time I was ever in like, quote unquote, cruise control, feeling like I'm going to hit every fairway and most of my greens and making most of my putts. Have, have you ever experienced that? I think it'd be disrespectful for us to even humor the possibility that either of us could ever do that and make that comparison. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like it's so it has never happened. That's my point. <laughs> and so getting to see someone like Jin Young get into this this zone and play, which quite honestly is almost every time she honestly, if we get really honest. The LPGA, every player on the LPGA tour is at a similar le- like a level so far greater than than we are or any amateur. What is your matter. first memory of Co in the zone? My first memory of Co in the zone. <sighs> if when she won that first tournament, first LPGA event as a non-member at the KB Hanabake Championship in South Korea. I think she was playing with back in 2017. Back in 2017, yes. We had really the the golf world at large had really not heard her name yet. Well, Didn't know well too they much. had. They had. Remember, she was going to battle with NB at the 2015, then Rico British Women's Open. Correct, correct. So that was there, that was the golf world's first introduction to Co. But otherwise, to your point, correct, hadn't won an event on the LPGA Tour or co-sanctioned with the LPGA Tour at said time. Well, the thing is, too, like, yeah, that was that was my bad for not bringing up that moment. But we respect something... major champions on this podcast. Oh, for sure. Or <laughs> in that case, I mean, for that matter, even close uh, near major champions. But I, I know at that time, see. Like this year, though, this this year went by and she wasn't here. There is always that out of sight, out of mind kind of mentality. I don't like no matter who you are, you, people are always asking like, oh, where is Jin Young or where is this person? But at that time, she wasn't a regular on the quote unquote world stage. So in 2017, when she won, the people that are following women's golf closely, they at least knew who she was. But. I just remember that tournament was such a big deal because she was playing alongside in the final round, I believe, Inji Chun and Sunghyun Park, which in Korea, like those three, we get that's a whole other topic. We get to another time, but fan clubs and the support in Korea. But those three players had the three largest fan clubs in Korea, so there were like thousands upon thousands of fans following one group at the same time. So. Whoever pulled out the victory in that had to, they were playing great golf against great players, uh, along with the pressure of having so much support there for themselves and so much non support, you know, from the other two, the other two players, fans kind of brooding against them. So that, that tournament stands out to me. And then 2019, though, obviously, she just took it to another level. So, Getting the opportunity to see her, although it was only for four events, I'm so glad that we were able to see her for at least those four events. And we got reminded, not that we forgot, but we were reminded how great she is. For me, the second event I worked was at the ANA Inspiration. That was Ko's first major championship she won. And going through photos for the website, I'll always remember this. Her emotion, the way she emoted after every shot was the exact same. And you watch her on TV, it's the exact same reaction after she hits. She's not overly excited. She's not overly down. There's not much frustration expressed until the ball is settled. And even then, she doesn't show much frustration. She'll be happy. She'll laugh with her caddy. But otherwise... It's this very calm, cool, collected demeanor. And that with her greens and regulation that she hits so often. It's you you listen to people talk about can someone else be number one in the world? 
man, that's going to be that's a real champion you're going to have to knock off to get to the top. And we've watched Sayan Kim be on this drop dead sprint. And she's still far away in the rankings. She's over a point and average behind her still. So. Yeah, that's what's impressed me the most about watching Jin Young more closely these last couple of years is just that that emoting is so consistent and calm. Yeah, to, to add on to that or kind of express the similar feelings on that, whenever someone asks me about Jin Young, I or when I think about Jin Young, the first thing that comes to mind is complete control. Like emotions, swing, her, t- her swing tempo is amazing. Her, the way that she, even, even the way she paces herself on the golf course, you know, like when she walks, like, <laughs> like everything just seems so in control. And obviously, like, no one's going to win every single tournament. But when you're playing a sport like golf, when just a, any little thing, whether it's emotionally or or swing wise, whatever, any little uh, mishap can lead to big results, uh, one way in positive or negative way. And whenever you keep that level mindset all the time, you're going to put yourself in great position to win and succeed. And putting herself in those positions to succeed, let her not only defend her money title. But Coe's now earned over $5 million in career earnings in three seasons as a member of the LPGA Tour, with the third one being just these four events. <laughs> but that's not the only money milestone reached. Young Kim crossed the $10 million career earnings threshold in six seasons as an LPGA Tour member. And Christy Kerr, the most momentous one, crosses the $20 million threshold, the third player in the history of of the tour to do so. Ben, I'd ask you to guess who the other two were, but we're looking at this right now. Annika Sorenstam and Kari Webb are the other two players who have done that. That is some Hall of Fame worthy company to keep. And speaking of Hall, first of all, yes, that is Hall of Fame company. And a topic that we've brought up so many times this year. And Oh, one day we will have to have like a whole discussion on this. We'll we'll find some some people with even more insight than us, perhaps. But maybe oh, I don't use the word perhaps that often. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's good to show some diverse vocabulary every now and then. Ben, I'm proud of you. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. I just don't know if it fits my like my care my normal character. You know, perhaps we should be. You know, that's not quite me. But anyway, to get back to the Hall of Fame talk. Uh. Christy Kerr, whenever you hear, I believe, what, 20 LPJ Tour wins, uh, two majors? Is it two majors in her career? It, yes, it just that's seems the like it all, yep. all, look at me. Uh, <laughs> so good. Uh, all the Solheim Cup success that she's had, if there's anyone, like, if you told me, is, asked me if Christy Kerr is in the Hall of Fame, the LPJ Hall of Fame, my instinct would be to say yes. Unfortunately, knowing the criteria, I know that's not true, that she's not there yet. So I hope that you know she's a very competitive person, very competitive human being, and very competitive golfer. And I know she's going to give it everything she has for as long as she can. So would I be shocked if, it, if in like the next five years she picked up another couple of victories along the way? It would not be like, earth-shattering, shocking news to me or or surprise me. But it is going to be tough just how competitive the game is. But, it, yeah, that's some great company for Christy to join and obviously just so shows how great she is, has been, and for how long she's done it. 24 seasons as a member of the LPGA Tour. There are not many players in their 40s still playing on the tour, and you look back in recent history julia inkster was competitive in her 50s on the tour it's just such a new era of young talent just washing over the tour and taking over so 
to your point, sure, we, we saw Angela Stanford in her 40s when again. It's not impossible, but it's certainly going to be difficult to see. Speaking of other awards, Player of the Year, Say Young Kim. This podcast had mentioned that Danielle King was the player of 2020, but Say Young Kim absolutely ripped it away once she returned to the tour. She didn't play in every major this year. She wasn't sure how the pandemic was going, saw how well the LPG tour was managing it, came back, won her first career major. That was something overdue on her resume. That plus another win back-to-back starts for her that resulted in victories really propelled her to the player of the year title but it wasn't guaranteed coming into this week she was trailing nb park she needed a tie for fifth finish or better nb park had to finish outside the top 10 in that result and instead she finishes tie for second adds her name to a hollowed list of players of the year on the LPGA tour. What do you think of say young a this week and just her season as a whole? Well, to touch on this week first, I, she did a lot of what I expected her to do, to be honest, because <laughs> she went out, made a lot of birdies, uh, was contending. She was the defending champion. So it's a golf course that she likes playing at, has great memories there. And she's been, in the zone for really the last, well, we really looked at it could be going back over a year, but for sure, since she came back to the LPGA tour, it's like, she's been locked in and playing amazing golf, but looking at things from the year as a whole for her, she blew me away and she blew away everybody. She was first, she ranked first on the LPGA Tour in rounds under par and rounds in the 60s, despite the fact that she ranked 87th in total rounds played. So she played she played significantly less than the majority of, of players on the tour this year. And when she came back here to the U.S. after the, the restart had already began, she just came out firing, and she was playing a, a she just plays a different kind of golf. There's not a lot of players that can get into like everybody on the LPGA tour can go low, right? But it's a totally different thing to go low and then keep going low. It's tough to mentally say, I'm going to keep going at flags, keep playing aggressive golf, whether it's your tee shot, your approach shots or putting like it's difficult to, to do that. And she did it. And she even, she even ranked, 17th in birdies this year again despite ranking 87th in total rounds played and i know we're looking at some numbers here so you know i'm not pulling these off the top of my head but oh, you know, how many... no you don't blow the magic <laughs> like that no you were doing great you were bluffing your way through it these were lots of numbers out of your hat well hopefully everyone believes me because they sound so legit but they are legit um <laughs> But can you tell me or guess, tell me how many birdies per round she averaged? Admittedly, I looked this up before we went live. It's just over five. <laughs> and for extra credit, no one on the tour averaged four. She was the only one averaging f- over five. The second highest in birdies per round this year was Danielle Kang at 3.95. Yep. And again, I know that statistic can a little bit be misleading because she played less events. The the being ranked first in rounds under par and rounds in the 60s does stand out a little more. But that's so many birdies. Oh my gosh. She's just when you're making that many birdies, you're going to have opportunities. I mean, even at the US Women's Open, what she she had a triple and a couple more bogeys, and she's still like on in on on her first nine holes, and somehow she was still relatively in contention by the weekend because she just makes so many birdies. So, I mean, to sum it up, 
into a more of a shorter, more compact answer. <laughs> this was, it was the year of Daniel King. I think I thought, I think we all thought there for a while, but then Sayon just kind of came in and started to steal the show and winning a major championship by five, you know, that obviously stands out a lot and everything else that she was able to do in such a short amount of time too. So well-deserved Rolex player of the year. And Say Young was battling NB Park when she won the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. That's that's a titan of the game to take down to claim your first major. And no doubt. Kim, Did you mention Hall of Famer, by the way? Hall of Famer NB Park, right? Good job. Thank you. This is important. <laughs> Keep throwing these pally flags at each other. Kim averaged 68.686, which is the lowest on tour. The Vera Trophy is the award that goes to the lowest average on tour. But Kim did not meet the lowest, the number of rounds required to win the award. The LPGA's bylaws are 70 rounds or 70% of all rounds available. 70% of all rounds available this season was 48. That magic number was only hit by two of the top 10 players in scoring average in the 2020 season. Danielle Kang, 49. Maury Jatanagarn, 50. So Kang won with an average of 70.082. Kim finished with 35 rounds. And the thing that was difficult was that this award wasn't announced till Monday of CME week that it was happening. To know what the potential rounds might be may have adjusted some players' schedules. Maybe that doesn't affect Kim specifically. But, for example, NB Park finished 45 rounds. She makes one more start. She gets enough rounds in. And she beat Danielle Kang by less than one stroke on the season. Her average was 70.067. That's a <laughs> .015 difference between the two of them. That is less than one stroke. <laughs> literally one great NB putt away. And you're thinking about the tour championship, right? You want some drama. You want storylines like fighting for player of the year on the line. Well, 48 rounds, there wasn't much drama with the fair trophy. The difference between Danielle King and Morija Tanagarn was over half a stroke. That's that's significant with that many rounds. It would have taken an absolute collapse and some stellar play by the elder Jutanagarn sister to have a chance of this award being up in the air. Yeah. I remember we were talking at the beginning of the week, I think on Thursday, Danielle was struggling with something with her back. And I don't think we ever really found out what exactly was bothering her. We know that she went and got it checked out. I think she might've even got an MRI on it um, during the week before the tournament started, but uh, that's the only thing I was like, what if she has to withdraw? Like Danielle though, is one of the toughest, most fierce competitors that we have, not just in women's golf, but in, in sports, I'd say like she wants to, <laughs> I know you get frustrated. She wants to win that phrase. Um, everybody wants to win. I'm aware of this, but like she hates to lose. How about that? Wait a second. <laughs> I am aware of this fact. But I'm going to ignore it anyways. Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, at least we, we visually see how much she wants to win or is pursuing victory. Or I don't know if that's worse. I, st you know, I don't think you have to outly emote to want to win. Daniel King does that. That doesn't mean she wants to win more or less than her fellow competitors. It's just that, we that see is... it on her face that she, you know, as we ascribe competitiveness to athletes, you know, showing frustration after bad shots, which 100%. we just talked about. We just talked about the world's number one golfer not doing that and ascribing that as a positive to her game. So why are we suggesting that? Or I guess I'm not saying we because I'm definitely pointing the finger at you right now. <laughs> why? Why are we ascribing to Danielle as a positive trait that she's this competitive? If we are saying that it's a positive that Jin Young does not. I don't feel like 
these two are both positives? Well, let me first say that you did not let me, you didn't let me finish my thought where I was explaining that. I would never do is... that. I would never interrupt you in the <laughs> middle of a sentence. I wouldn't do that again right after you pointed it out. You did Ridiculous. it again. Never. Let me, let me talk. <laughs> um, it, we, we can visually see it. And I, I don't like, I'm obviously that is something that Jin Young said. I believe that's one of her quotes when she came back was that one of the reasons she came back was because she missed competing. So in NB Park, like you don't think that she wants to win, but these are two players that we never, we don't see that quote unquote fire or this outward emotion that we see on say Daniel King. It's, it does, it is unique for each person. So I am in no way, I want to make this very clear, implying that Danielle wants to win any more than any other player. But I do know that she hates to lose. So I, she was going to push through and do whatever she could because I know that she knew she had the Vera Trophy on the line, which does have Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame implications. And she knew she was going to have to get to at least 48 rounds to make that happen. And I, I don't know if the back injury is a big issue or if it was any more of an issue throughout the rest of the week. But she got it done. And, yeah, there was – going back, circling way back to your what you were originally saying, there was not tons of drama involved as far as the Bear Trophy race was concerned, though. Okay, I didn't interrupt you. I gave you I gave you your your leeway. <laughs> uh, Appreciate it. You know, it's I I think we shouldn't belabor the point anymore. Uh, I, I struggle to see the not wanting to lose thing either. I think that's the same line of thinking for both of us. But but a player who did play well <laughs> to move along. Speaking of Hannah Green. Her birthday was on Sunday, bogey free, 67, the major champion. The 2019 KPMG Women's PGA Championship winner matching the 2020 KPMG Women's PGA Championship winner tied for second. Pretty nice send off for the end of the 2020 year. Yes, I will give my first shout out of the episode. Um, Shout out Hannah Green. All right. the drinking game begins. <laughs> this is Ben's first shout out. For those of you keeping tabs at home. Water only. We're all, we're about to enter the part where I give several shout outs. But before you dive into this shout out. Okay. If shout out is your drinking game. What What is my catchphrase that causes our fans to drink? Um, every time you interrupt me. Everyone's gone by now, then. <laughs> That's true. I'm going to have to think about this. I'm going to analyze this over the offseason. Um, <laughs> Feel free to interrupt before this podcast concludes. But back to back to the major champions performance. Yeah, well, first of all, it it's great seeing Hannah play some great golf. It It's always interesting to see how players respond to not only their first victory but first major victory you know i know the kpmg women's pga victory was back in 2019 which was only a year and a half ago but it was also a year and a half ago (laughs) so she followed that up with the win in portland and then this year i think just kind of getting footing you know she had more sponsors kind of line up come her way she's more recognized at different places. She has more people asking her for interviews. You know, the things that happen as you become more recognizable, right? And to have, to cap this season where she's from Australia, she's an Aussie, uh, it's, it was not possible. Like, once she came to the U.S., she was here. Going back to Australia, I believe there's a two-week quarantine, so I, I'm sure that she can't wait to get back and see her family and friends that are Australia, but it's a it's a commitment once you go back. So playing golf on her birthday 
I'm sure in 2020, when when this year began, she had no clue she was going to be playing tournament golf. Of course she didn't. CME wraps up in November every year. So there's no way she's going to play golf on her birthday. But she did. She played great. And that's a great way. At the, a tournament that has the purse size, especially like CME does, uh, finishing in a tie for second, that's a, that's a great little end-of-year Christmas bonus kind of thing. Definitely a nice candle to put on top of her birthday cake if she had one in this pandemic world after play. There it is. That's yours. Uh, dad jokes. <laughs> yeah, that that fits. That fits the bill quite well. <laughs> Speaking of fitting the bill, you want to talk about the next player? Oh, another shout out. Another drink. <laughs> Shout out Lydia Ko. Another drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it, it, I know I've I've said this several times this year, and it she is one of my favorite players to watch. But none of these things take away from the fact that the former number one player in the world has been playing incredible golf this year. She finished tied for fifth. After the first round this week, or last week, she was tied for 59th, I believe, out of 72 players in the field. And she worked her way all the way back into a tie for fifth tie for fifth finish, which is incredibly impressive. It was her fifth top 10 this year, ninth top 18. I know you're going to give me a hard time for that. But her ninth top 18. Why would I give you a hard time? You'd want me to say top 20 or something but you know 18 is higher than 20 so her <laughs> that was the worst number i wanted 18 it sounds better but anyway nine top 18s and only 13 starts so her resurgent play it's great to see her putting herself in contention again uh and look she's back in the top 30 in the world she'd been hovering there in the 50 range for for a while more than a year uh, she's back at number 29 this week. So shout out to Lydia Ko. Two drinks for that one. Man, the audience is gone by now. Well, I got and before. What? Go ahead. And you before... something about Lydia. I have one more, one more thing I do want to shout out. Okay, please. The, the, the so, runway is yours. So Lydia and Hannah, they played together, right? They had a third member in their group. Mina hair guy. Mina had one of her best seasons. This is her 11th year on tour. One of her best seasons. I believe she finished with three top tens this year. And she finished solo fourth at the CME Group Tour Championship. She was the highest finishing American. And she went bogey free, not just in the final round, but in the third round and the second round as well. So she went her last 54 holes without a bogey. So currently, I have to imagine that she has the longest bogey-free streak on the tour right now, (laughs) first of all. And to add even another cool little fact to that, that group of Mina, Lydia, and Hannah, they were all bogey-free on Sunday. So I, I don't think that happens very often. No matter what course, what tournament you're at, that doesn't happen very often. So I do think that deserves a shout out, though. Listen, anything you say deserves a shout out, deserves a shout out, Ben. But that is really impressive to have a group go bogey free. Hair guy did complete her third top 10 finish of the year. Her best finish at the restart. In fact, if we're picking arbitrary numbers, it's it's her third top six, not just top Woo. 10. Whew. So See, that no, that's a big deal. Look, the difference in 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 points and Paycheck between 6th and 10th, that's a big difference. Especially at the Tour Championship. Especially at the Tour Championship. That's that's some dollar-dollar bills we're talking about there. <laughs> Unfortunately, not everything positive happened to this event. You can only have one winner at a golf tournament. That caused Lexi Thompson and Brooke Henderson to have their win streak snapped. Lexi Thompson's seven-year run of consecutive seasons with a win on the LPGA Tour is over. Brooke Henderson's five years with a win is over. 
three years of multiple wins was over before the start of the week for the winningest Canadian of all time in golf. And it was an 18 event season, as you mentioned at the start. Maybe you want to put an asterisk on the year. These players certainly didn't get as many opportunities to make starts as they would in a non-pandemic season. But Seung Kim extended her streak. Jin Young Ko extended her streak. Danielle Kang extended her streak. Kim now at six years. Ko and Kang at four years each. That win streak for Jin Young goes back to the tournament you mentioned when you first realized how good she could be when she won at the KEB Honda Bank Championship in 2017. So how do you view those that asterisk possibility for Thompson and Henderson? See, the thing is, uh, at the end of the day, I think that there will be a little bit of an asterisk, asterisk to me because you want to believe that there was the same opportunity for everyone, but in all reality, there wasn't quite because of travel restrictions. Like Brooke, for instance, she didn't play as many events because being in Canada, like their, their restrictions are very, they were very strict as far as things uh, involving the pandemic. So once she decided to leave, she would, you know, be gone. If she wanted to go back to Canada, she'd have to quarantine. Same thing with players from uh, some of the Asian countries like Korea and like China. We didn't even see Shen Shen Feng this year, or at least in the restart. Um, so I do think there's a little bit of an asterisk. Players such as Lexi and Brooke are, in my eyes, you give them a normal year of, I believe there's 34 events on the schedule for next season. You give me, you give Lexi and Brooke 34 opportunities, and Lexi won't. She's never played in every event. She doesn't play. She does take her time off. But you give them that opportunity with the style of play that they uh, possess and with their skill level, I, I just think they're going to pick up a win in a full season. I feel a little bad because of the, you know, they didn't get those opportunities at the same time. You're right. There were some other players such as Se Young Kim, Jin Young Ko, who had, she continued her streak with only four, <laughs> four opportunities. So, it's kind of a tough one for me. This is definitely more complicated than players emoting. And does that mean they're more competitive or not? <laughs> Brooke did lose a playoff. You know, Brooke certainly had a very legitimate chance at the ANA inspiration going up against Nelly Corda and Miram Lee. And I mean, we talk about Sophia Popoff being the story of the year. Miram Lee chipping in three times on Sunday to win a major. Oh, what? Ridiculous. I I still, I know we talked about it after that event. And right now it's still, it's still like, did that really happen? <laughs> in a major to win? What? Crazy. Against Brooke Henderson. I think going up against Brooke Henderson and Ellie Corda. And you know, Henderson followed up yeah. that A performance with three six place finishes in a row. So she kept knocking on the door and Lexi was in the mix of the ANA inspiration as well, was obviously in the mix early on at the CME group tour championship. There, there were chances for these stalwart players. Thompson finished fourth at ANA tied for fit this week. It was there. It just didn't happen for him. So I imagine if, Lexi comes through and wins an event early next year. People will say, oh, it's eight years in a row. We're not counting 2020. It was funny. Not to like, we're all about women's golf on this podcast, but I know because they brought up the graphic on during the CME group tour championship telecast several times, the most, the at longest active winning streaks in golf. They had Dustin Johnson, then 
Lexi, then is it Se Young, I believe. But they had Dustin there, right? And I could be I could be mistaken on this, but I'm pretty sure that one of those seasons was a victory in the wraparound season. So it's it was classified as seasons one in a row and not years. I think there was a year, like a calendar year that he did not win, but he won because the PGA Tour has this wraparound season thing. So he won it in the fall or winter time, one of those years, to continue his season streak, I believe. So th- those are kind of like those funky things that just kind of come to mind. Like, So for your, your wraparound, he won in November 2013 the WGC HSBC Champions and then the WGC Cadillac Championship in March of 2015 was his next victory. So that's where you get your wraparound season was the front right. end of 13-14 was the HSBC Champions. So 2014... In the calendar year, he did not he did win. not win, but because he won during the 2014, I'm putting some air quotes. You can't see me. <laughs> season during the 2014 season, he won. That season streak continued. I remember at the time. That's amazing. It was like seven years ago, <laughs> but I remember at the time being like, I don't know. It just it it feels kind of weird. But regardless, in all sports things like that are going to come up and you just make the best of the situation. I, at the end of the day, you credit them for, for the success that they did have. So it's extremely impressive in any case. (laughs) Correct. Maybe most impressive of all of that was that Thompson fell out of the top 10 in the world for the first time since the Lorena Ochoa invitational at the tail end of the 2013 season this year after missing the cut at the AIG Women's Open. Whew. That 2013? That was... I was... <laughs> I was still in high school, man. That was my senior year of high school. It feels so long ago. Lexi, Lexi has Lexi been I- around as a consistent power on the LPGA Tour. So I'm just trying to... I mean, just like... Maybe this will contextualize things. Lexi is 25 years old, I believe. I think Lexi and I are the same age. I'll be 26 in January. No one has now, to wish which me happy birthday. 25 year old between but... the two of you has accomplished more in life so far? Well, to, I, I don't think that's a fact. I feel like I've accomplished <laughs> a lot. It's just not. It's just not like you know on the golf course. You know, it's it's not like. But that's what I'm saying. Like how wild is that to think about that as I was finishing up my quote unquote normal life as a high school senior, this at that time, girl teenager was entering the top 10 for the first time or entering the top 10 and would not leave it for seven until seven years later. It, it, it's difficult. It's just difficult for me to like, what? Um, it, it shows how, obviously, how great she is, how consistent she's been. She has her inconsistencies, too, obviously. But look, you don't stay in the top 10 that long without some sort of consistency. And that consistency has been she wins. You win at least once every year. That's going to be a big boost in your world ranking points and, and your standing there. So obviously, she's very good. It's tough to me. I, I, we've had some conversation about this before just me and you but i enjoy watching greatness no matter if it's an athlete or a team that i like or dislike it's still there's still something about watching greatness and and seeing it's not the biggest deal they're just kind of quote-unquote numbers but it's still a big deal like it's it's a little sad to see her leave that top 10 and that see that streak end but look, I, as I've said before, with her ability, her game, it would not surprise me if she started a new seven-year streak next year. I mean, that's just that's how good she is. But She's a good player. That's definitely factual. 
three <laughs> facts three two <laughs> thompson's definitely a good player i don't know about another seven year streak because that's really really hard but i think it'd be surprising if she didn't win in 21 let's pivot to the bets of the week analysis ben the final go around for the 2020 season unfortunately no winner was picked unfortunately you didn't make any picks so my selections this week Ari Tanagarn finished tied for 10th. Soyan Yu finished tied for 13th. Charlie Hole finished in the same spot as Soyan. Jennifer Cupcho finished tied for 28th. Jessica Corda finished tied for 30th. And before you give it a grade, <laughs> you got to grade this on a curve, right? There's only 72 players in this event versus. Right. Like the U.S. ones open has over 150. So I think that's important to keep in mind as I open the floor to you giving a grade to these five selections this week. So you're not wanting me to give you as good a grade as what the numbers would typically suggest. Typically, a top 30 would be above average. You're, you're this tie 30th. You're almost almost the middle um well let me just quickly run down i i like all your picks like we're talking a pre-tournament scenario not based on their results on a pre-tournament scenario these are the players you picked i would not have had objections to this area has been showing some good form. She played very well at the U.S. Women's Open, and we saw... I don't want to get another argument with you about wanting to win, because that's not what this is about. But I do think attitude is something that is important. And confidence. How about that? We could see some of that confidence coming back in areas play. At least, at least I did. She just had a little bit of a different look to her at the U.S. Women's Open. We hadn't seen it really in a while. So going to the Tour Championship at a golf course that she's won there. She plays well. And with when her game's clicking, she's obviously one of the, to me in my eyes, one of the top five players in the game that could win anywhere. She has the power. And an incredible short game. When everything's working, she's just that good. So I, I like that pick. Soyun, one of the most consistent players in the game. And another player, she made a real run at this championship, at this tournament last year. She played very well. Charlie, this is the home, the place of her only, which sounds very weird to say because of how good she is, but... It's where she's won her only LPGA Tour event to this point. I believe she won the 2016 CME Group Tour Championship. So, again, another player that did, makes sense. Jennifer Cupcho, a little bit of an up-and-down year, but she showed a lot of, of flashes of, of very good golf, and she put herself in contention a few times this year. I won't give you a hard time for that pick. And Jessica Corda. I know things have been, she struggled with injuries and a few other things that have come up over the last couple of years. But Jess, another one, she, she can be, when everything's going, very good. And she's a Florida, you know, she loves Florida. So you're in, a, in the state, in the warm weather, we got out of that two-week stretch in Texas where there was lots of wind and not only just wind, but cold wind. So I, I like the picks. Based on the results, okay, my pre-tournament pick, like grade of this, I would give you a B-plus for the picks. Based on the results, uh, B-minus. Sure. I saw on Twitter after the event that a website had Jin Young at 11 to 1. I would have jumped on that in a heartbeat. I would have sold, you know, picked Jin Young again. If you had bet the the way this is structured, right? 25 units a week. 
if you had just bet on Jin Young every week since she got back, you would have won 225 units, gotten 25 units back, and bet 100 total. So it would have been 250 in your pocket for 100 you've put out there into the universe. That is a better return than what I got this year, which was plus 56.4% over the course of the year. Meaning for every 100 units you sent out based on my guidelines, you got 156.4 back. But that is the point of betting on more than one player a week. You're diversifying your portfolio and increasing your chances of winning. So no guarantees of future results. But I think as we've talked through every week, you and I both do a pretty good job of identifying market inefficiencies in value. So looking forward to continuing that trend in 2021. What are the odds going to be on Annika winning the diamond resorts tournament, a championship uh, outright? Can we get some? <laughs> oh man. Right. I mean, welcome back to the goat. Welcome back. And you know, she has played in the PNC, what they call it, the father son challenge, don't they? But you know, I, there's some, obviously some great, women's athletes so and golfers Mm -hmm. Annika being the goat I think it's pretty it's pretty easy in that (laughs) in that department to identify her as the goat as the goat um she looked good I I I didn't get to see her play a lot because the tour championship was going on but she I saw some highlights she obviously still has the game so it's going to be interesting to see how things go. But I I don't think that she would agree if she wasn't feeling pretty comfortable, right? I would be shocked if she wasn't comfortable. All right. Well, I, get, I, here's, a, here's a fun Annika stat before we get out of here. Sorenstein made 308 starts on the LPG tour in her career. How many cuts did she make? 308 starts. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess 300. 298. 10 missed oh. cuts in her entire career. 72 wins. Casual. Oh, man. Very casual. Very. Oh, my gosh. No, th- those are just the when you start talking about the Annikas and the Tigers of the world. There are numbers that just don't make sense. Like they're too good. <laughs> That's pretty, definitely one of them. Pretty good. All right, Ben. Thanks again for chatting on a Tuesday. Thanks to everyone for listening to this a couple days late. We'll talk soon, man. Sounds good, Kent. Talk to you later.